This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Gary Seven, Terry Gar, and Isis the Cat, all in this episode, Assignment Earth. Compliance. The Final Frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Trekking Through Compliance, Episode 55, Assignment Earth. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode Assignment Earth, which aired on March 29, 1968, and Stardate Unknown. This is the final episode of Season 2. Story synopsis. The Enterprise has used light speed breakaway factor to propel itself backward in time. It monitors Earth communications while on a historical fact-finding mission to study how Earth survived the turbulent 1986. A good question indeed. While in orbit, the Enterprise accidentally intercepts a transporter beam originating more than 1,000 light years away. Beaming aboard the interplanetary agent Gary Seven and his partner Isis disguised as a black cat. Seven discovers that the Enterprise is from the future and demands to be beamed down to continue with his mission. Seven claims he is a human from the 20th century who has been living on a different planet and wishes, which wishes to remain hidden, even in Kirk's time. When Kirk decides to confine Seven to a detention cell until he can learn more, Seven overpowers the guards and even brushes off Spock's nerve pinch. But Kirk temporarily stuns him with a phaser. He does not long remain in his cell, however, using a servo device disguised as a pen to deactivate the force field and put the guard to sleep. He is rejoined by his cat, Isis, on his way to the transporter room and beams down before Kirk can stop him, materializing inside a safe concealed behind a sliding rack of glasses in what appears to be an otherwise normal office. However, the office turns out to be anything but normal, and a Beta 5 computer capable of analytical decision is also hidden behind the bookcase. Gary Seven asks the Beta 5 computer the state status of agents 201 and 347 and discovers that their location has not been reported for three days. In order to access the computer, Gary Seven, who is known as Agent 194 and turns out to be a Class 1 supervisor, is forced to summarize the nature of their mission. The agents turn out to have been descendants of human ancestors taken from Earth 6,000 years ago, i.e. when the Bible started, and specifically trained for the mission of preventing Earth from destroying itself before it can become a peaceful society. According to the computer, this is necessary since science and technology have progressed faster than political and social knowledge on Earth. You might think this is 2019, not 1968. Seven learns that the agent's mission was to disable a rocket, which was about to launch an American orbiting nuclear platform uh, and will take off in one hour. It's to counter a similar platform launched by an opposing power. Seven compares the situation to the one which almost resulted in the destruction of the planet Omicron 4. Meanwhile, Roberta Lincoln, 
played by Terry Garr, a secretary hired by Seven's fellow agent shows up late for work, and Seven mistakes her for one of the agents. As a result, he shares some of his secret gadgety with gadget, gadgetry with her, including a voice-activated typewriter. However, Seven convinces her that he is a CIA agent, CIA agent, and she should remain silent about what she's seen in the interest of national security. Just after Seven learned from Beta 5 that Agents 201 and 347 were killed in an automobile accident 10 miles away from uh, McKinley Rocket Base, Spock and Kirk, who have been beamed down and attempt to locate Seven, barge into the office. However, Lincoln stalls them long enough to allow Seven to escape into the safe-slash-transporter and manages to call the police to the office, which is... When they arrive, Kirk beams them up to the Enterprise along with himself and Spock and immediately returns the police to the apartment. Seven rematerializes inside the rocket base and stuns a guard with his pen gizmo before uh, he can complete a call to security. Seven then makes his way to the gantry elevator and begins to sabotage the wiring when he reaches the top. Meanwhile, Lincoln accidentally discovers a sliding glass rack and opens it by depressing a pin on the desk. She then picks the lock to the safe. At the same time, Scott locates seven manipulating wires in the rocket before the ship's sensors using the ship sensors and attempts to beam him up. Lincoln, however, accidentally pulls him back to the office while fiddling with the safe controls. Seven then uses the Beta-5 circuits to cause a third stage of the American rocket to malfunction and veer off course. He arms the warhead and is shortly conked on the head by Roberta. The arming of the warhead is noted by Chekhov aboard the Enterprise, who contacts Kirk for instructions. When the communicator beeps and the rocket base guard picks it up, Spock nerve pinches the guard and tells Kirk tells Scotty to beam Kirk and himself to Seven's apartment. There they watch as Seven explodes the warhead above ground. Records from the Enterprise show this is what happened historically. Fun fact. This is the only original series episode which was designed as a pilot for another show. Star Trek was teetering on the brink of cancellation late in its second season, and Roddenberry hoped to get a new show going for the fall season. Unfortunately, Gary Seven and his cat never made it to the network again, but Assignment Earth, uh, as Assignment Earth, did not enter production as a television series, but Seven and Roberta were featured in several stories and spun off a comic. What are some of the continuity issues in this episode of Star Trek, the original series? It's the only episode in which time travel is treated as routine. The temporal prime directive does not yet appear to have been proposed or taken effect at this time. This is the only episode where a Federation transporter system is used to intercept and redirect another transporter beam. Along with the Vians and Khan, Gary Seven is one of the few humanoids to have been uh, immune to a Vulcan nerve pinch. The episode was aired on March 29, 1968. Six days later, on April 4th, there was an important assassination, and of course that was Martin Luther King Jr. However, the coincidence goes beyond this. As Mr. Spock says, the same day as the assassination, the U.S. was launching an orbital nuclear warhead platform. The King assassination was the same day as the launch of the unmanned Apollo 6 Saturn V rocket. The Saturn V rocket, amazingly enough, also suffered a serious mishap went off course. The details of the mishap vary greatly from the details of this and Kirk's comment at the end of the episode that the real events were never generally revealed at the time. 
It makes sense, therefore, to assume that within the context of Star Trek's fictional history, there was a massive cover-up about the Apollo 6 mishap, and that false cover story was put out to hide the truth that we're launching a nuclear weapons platform into orbit. Very, very conspiracy, Tom. And finally, the events of this episode, which take place in 1968, occurred over a year after those of Tomorrow's Yesterday, which, of course, took place in 1969. So what are the compliance lessons today? Well, I really like to focus on you as the compliance chief compliance officer. What have you done to really make uh, create business relations and professional relations with everyone else in the company? My good friend Russ Berlin uh, often tells the story of buying lots of pizza to get people to come to meetings so that he can talk to them about compliance. So I'd ask you to consider, uh, have you ever uh, treated employees to lunch or bought pizzas? Another uh, compliance professional is fond of saying a lunch alone is a lunch wasted. And by that, he means as a compliance officer, you need to get out and have as many lunches as you can with other uh professionals in your organization, other C-suite executives. You've got to get to know them and get them to know you so that you can all work together. And finally, on a little bit different note, uh, do you rotate other senior executives through the compliance function for compliance projects? It's a great way to have them invested in compliance and also teach them about compliance going forward. I hope you'll join me for our next episode, which is the first episode of Season 3 which is the all-time low point, Spock's brain. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.